evening, 6.54 p.m. on the East Coast. It is New York, whatever's left of it. The New York is gone. The New York is gone. We're at least middle-aged over here. The life cycle is getting late in the game. But I am welcoming you all, as I do every night, here from the flagship studios of Quite Frankly Land. Because you know we have other satellite locations now. I've got my brand new sparkling home office that is just about to have some crown jewels put on the wall and things like that. And I also have, you know, little random haunted inns in Chester, Vermont. Wherever I lay my head is home. But I am, uh, I've got a lot here tonight. We were going to be spending the evening with Nurse Penny Whitbroat and talking about her really astonishing near-death experience. Um, and that was going to lead us right into tomorrow night's um, episode, which is we have confirmed Dr. Eben Alexander for tomorrow night's show to talk about his work and the proof of heaven. We've got tons of questions for him tomorrow, but I would really like for all of you at home, if you're watching Quite Frankly TV after the show tonight, you're going to see a, a talk that Dr. Eben Alexander did um, some time ago, and it's it's all about this. It's all about the afterlife and the proof, the proof of that place. So if you're watching after for Rabbit Hole Wednesday, go down that rabbit hole with us on quitefrankly.tv. And, um, and then while you're watching, throw some, some questions down, some things that confuse you, things that got you excited and you wanted to follow up on, and you can send them to me for consideration, and I will throw them into my notes and prioritize things, and, and um, I'm sure tomorrow will be as good as a time as any time we ever had together. So there is that. But as for tonight, I've got a, thing, a few things that I have cobbled together. We have a nice little grab bag we're about to get into. Then I have in the opening, we're going to talk a little bit about the, uh, a little bit more about the, the New York judge, what happened with Donald Trump yesterday. We'll throw that out there and tie it into a few other things. And then I want to go right into some leftover strange stranger stories, which brings us into another strange encounter that was on the Trigonometry podcast not too long ago with Neil Disgrace Tyson, who is just a nut. It's a four-minute clip that I'm sure that we're going to be able to spend 20 minutes on and have a lot of good times in the second half of the show, which we will be bouncing off of YouTube to go everywhere else. In the second half of the show, we're going to be doing uh, a, lot of, a lot of other stuff, including the, um, the premiere of a music video that I worked on for Anthony's single, Swimming Through Air. Um, I can't wait to throw that out there and just have it part of the uh, the repertoire here. If I ever need to go on an extended break and I want to throw it out and uh, leave you with something to enjoy. So there's a lot of cool things happening tonight. And I know that it'll be, it'll be nice by the time it's all over. We'll all be satisfied. Hopefully we will. Hopefully we will. All right. So let's get into the grab bag. First one up. First one up is a follow-up on the Chucky doll incident in Mexico. You remember we said that we wanted to see, and it's, uh, the Mexican police down there, they got in trouble for um, taking a picture with a Chucky doll because it wasn't very professional. Well, we found, we found some stuff on oddityscentral.com. A giant Chucky doll arrested for terrorizing people in Mexico. The police in Mexican state of Cojulia. I hope I did that right 
recently arrested a knife-wielding Chucky doll and its ventriloquist owner for terrorizing people in the streets for money. And there are two pictures. The offending officer has her face blurred out. And there's the Chucky doll. It's uh, pretty, pretty lifelike. Pretty lifelike. So imagine getting accosted by a crazy man in the street with that Chucky doll. Would you give him your money? Oh, oh, wait, oh, oh, wait, wait. There's more pictures. The Chucky doll being held up against the wall. There you go. That's the mugshot right there. The female police uh, officer is holding up the Chucky doll by its hair. So police brutality. That's that. And then she was reprimanded and she's probably been burned at the stake. All right. Next up is a little bit from Zero Hedge on... Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s declaration that he may open uh, be open to running as a third-party candidate for the Libertarian Party. Now, this is not surprising at all, um, because h- how much farther were you going to go with the, the whole Democrat thing? And um, here's what he said. Presidential candidate... Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s declaration that he may be open to running as a third-party candidate has the potential to completely shift the political landscape ahead of the 2024 election, according to a party official. If he has made the decision, or if he made the decision, and did work, then he needs to be done within the party. I can see him having a massive impact. Angela McArdle, the chair of the Libertarian Party, told the Epoch Times. Mr. Kennedy, currently running second behind Joe Biden in the Democratic primary, has flirted with a potential Libertarian Party candidacy. In July, Mr. Kennedy met privately with Ms. McArdle at a conference they were both attending, which he notably uh, expressed his admiration. He told me he wants to run as a Democrat, but said he's still very Libertarian in a lot of ways. I mean, the Libertarian Party, the official Libertarian Party is a joke, so why the hell not make deals to get some more attention to it? Um, But, you know, especially since I remember in 2016, Gary Johnson, it might have been 2016, Gary Johnson was on the Joe Rogan podcast, and he had mentioned that he had just taken, at the time, one of those online political leaning those political leanings tests where you, you're given all these situational questions and at the end of it you're shown where you where you end up on the political spectrum. And he said that he ended up matching like 70, 70-something percent or around 70% aligned with Bernie Sanders. The libertarian candidate, Gary Johnson, was aligned around 70% or more with Bernie Sanders. So, I mean, is uh, is Robert Kennedy Jr. better than Bernie Sanders? Definitely. Is he better than Gary Johnson? I guess probably. What is the Libertarian Party? I don't know. But um, as you can see, all parties pretty much suck. Anyway, good luck to him. Because if he's going to keep rabble-rousing and getting out there and, and causing some trouble, and much-needed trouble, I should say, then he's not going to be able to ride this out on the Democrat ticket for 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 too much longer. But good for him. Do your thing. All right, here's a little something I thought was kind of a heartwarming story. From Savannah Fortis. The CIA is set to build its own chat GPT-style AI bot for investigations. 
says a report. I saw Bloomberg had covered this, but then they put it all behind a paywall and I'm not paying them shit. So this is what I found. The CIA says it is creating its own chat GPT AI tool to conduct open source investigations by analyzing public information. I don't know why they're not just using uh, working with 4chan better that way. The United States Central Intelligence Agency, CIA, is planning to build and deploy its own chat GPT-style artificial intelligence bot for investigations, according to a report from Bloomberg. The CIA reportedly plans to equip its analysts with a new AI tool to better access open source intelligence. This includes sifting through public information for leads and investigations. Agency officials say they intend to roll out the tool soon. Randy Nixon, director of the CIA's open source enterprise, told Bloomberg that they have gone from utilizing newspapers and radio to newspapers and television to newspapers and cable television to basic internet to big data, and it just keeps going. Of course, it gets easier and easier when you have CIA agents writing news in every major newsroom across the country as as far back as at least the 1960s. Mockingbird started in the 50s. Bloomberg reported that the new tools will allow its users to see the original source of the information being sourced, along with a chat, uh, chat feature. Who are the users? The CIA, of course, is not for us. It's not for us. They need new tools in analyzing what we're putting on the internet. Then you can take it to the next level and start chatting and asking questions of the machines to give you answers also sourced. There was no mention of the model from which the CIA is building its new tool nor its privacy protections, though Nixon said it is closely following the privacy law in the United States. Right. <laughs> right. The tool will uh, reportedly be available across the 18 agencies that make up the U.S. intelligence. The, this includes CIA, the NSA, Federal Bureau of Investigation, and military-run agencies. This development from the CIA comes after recent confirmation from other governmental agencies of the use of AI. On September 12th, Gary Gensler, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission chair, confirmed that U.S. Senate and his department is currently employing AI tools to monitor the finance industry to search for clues of fraud and manipulation. Now, I completely trust, as you all know, a rogue agency which starts wars whenever the hell it wants, with no feeling whatsoever, seeds discontent at home and abroad, and is used as a weapon by corporate interests. But this is another reason why, ha-ha to your VPN. You know, I, I mean, I have one just for the hell of it, but please. What, what With the VPNs and the Brave browsers. I uninstalled Brave browser, by the way. I went back to Chrome because it is... Um, it, it was actually screwing with my computer. I have not had one problem since I had my buddies come by and do um, systems checks and te uh, you know stress tests on the computer and all that stuff. And then um, we just tried something and went back to Chrome and uninstalled Brave. I haven't had a problem since. If all, if all of my problems, which I thought my computer was about to die, but apparently my CPU and my GPU were the strongest they've ever seen. Very happy to hear that. So I said, whatever, whatever, just for the illusion of safety. But ultimately, this story is another one of those things, which is, which is like essentially like Space Force, as if this already didn't exist. But this is just a little coming out party, so the public has some, some kind of a timeline to track what is being, what's being used and what's being employed on a little bit more of a delayed schedule. That's it. 
They're being told about this now. It's been around for God knows how long. I mean, um, what they're talking about here sounds less advanced than the stuff that we were seeing in the Vault 7 leak. And that was in 2017. So there's a little bit more for you. And the uh, CIA is hard at work all over the place, especially when it comes to the migrant crises and everything else. Of course, they play a support role, if not a leading role in it all, in things like this. A Korean War veteran. Just a little bit more on the invasion that's going on right now. Worse than ever. End games kind of stuff. Korean War veteran Frank Tamaro. 95 years old, kicked out of his New York nursing home at short notice so it could be turned into housing for undocumented undocumented migrants, illegal aliens, overwhelming the city. More than 200 beds at the Staten Island nursing home were turned over to migrants arriving in New York City. Elderly residents were left scrambling to find new homes after being given six weeks notice to get out. 3,000 migrants are now being housed at the Roosevelt Hotel. They, I mean, these are Korean War veterans. Here's a little bit of what he said. Optimum fiber internet has next level speed. Shut up. Never mind. He was very upset. I wanted to, I wanted to play it a little bit. But um, there you have it. So, you know, and here's one thing I will say tonight, because I'm going to be opening up the lines on a couple of different topics along the way. Um, speaking of the CIA, here is a call-in topic for you, and I'm creating a special hotline for it. The hotline is called the War Zone Hotline. Do you live in an American city that has or town village because everybody is getting a makeover right now in this country and it's not going to be isolated to one place, to one state, to one city? Um, do you live in an American city, town, village that has been ravaged by unending waves of social unrest, the looting, illegal immigration, anything, anything tied in with the worsening fake civil rights terror movement of the last decade or whatever the hell it is. Are you in Philly? Are you in Baltimore? Are you in Chicago? Anywhere in Minnesota? Wherever the hell you are, are you living inside of an American war zone right now? I want you to call a special hotline tonight. That is 914-369-1236. We're not going to be taking calls right now, but I just want to seed, seed it for you. Write it down. 914-369-1236. That is the war zone hotline. And then uh, all the general calls, the general line, as you know, is 914-200-0269. So, and you know, just a couple more thoughts before we just jump into the show. I want to just get in there and and start uh, thrashing about. But when I was reading about this evicted Korean War vet, and then I was seeing some of the uh, other issues that was going on in the UK. I mean, there's always crime reports. There's always things that are going on. We were just watching that... uh, that Italian island of Lampedusa the uh, the other week that was mobbed by 10,000 Africans out of nowhere. Only 6,000 natives live on the island. And, and of course, that's all going inland. Now, the UN, as much as far back as just, I think, about a year or two ago, even went and insinuated that they needed about 60 million more Middle Eastern and African migrants to get into Europe to replace a dying, aging population. Because, you know... You know, old-fashioned getting together and starting a family just ain't cutting it anymore. And who cares if the population of Europe ebbs and flows as long as it's European? Um, in that's that's just what it is. But they're they're trying to prevent continental collapse by bringing in people who are absolutely incompatible with 
the cultures, the very diverse cultures of the continent. Now, when you look into the comments of any kind of video that comes out showing what kind of a hellhole some parts of London are becoming, or Italy, or France, the, 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 uh, these no-go zones in Sweden, the slums, you, whatever the hell's going on, not even just, maybe we're seeing it here in New York, we're seeing it all over the place, um, and even pop, populations of people who have been here for generations are being completely messed up and, and, uh, and triggered into acting nuts and, and just tearing it all down. On behalf of whom, though? That's the one thing to always ask yourself and to remind yourself because I see these poor lamentable souls in the comments sometimes um, that when it is reported on there is a horrible situation with uh, you know people, foreigners that are going nuts in European cities and all that, causing problems, fighting, assaulting people, then there's inevitably there's going to be somebody in the, in the, uh, the comments that says, well, maybe you shouldn't have ruined the Middle East and Africa for hundreds of years. And, and you know, I want to just remind everybody again, especially if you think that way, if you think that way, if you believe that shoeless unarmed African and Central American men are taking over Europe and the US because of karma, then you are the most imbecilic person on the planet. And, and you don't have, you, you, you have company. You have company. There are many people who tie, who tie you in imbecilic, I, you are such so low functioning. The same people, ladies and gentlemen, remember the same people who bombed the Middle East and made mincemeat of Africa and Central and South America and all that. The same people who bombed the homes and all that, they are the ones who are now importing the refugees so-called so or just ringing the dinner bell for anybody who wants a free ride and some free money and, you know, uh, plenty of vulnerable women to harass, whatever the hell it is. The same people who went out there and waged those wars, clandestine, overt, or otherwise, those are the people who are importing these tens of millions, tens of millions of, uh, of foreigners into the West. And why? To be able to destroy the only people who were against the wars, the civilians. These were largely unpopular wars. And we didn't want anything to do with it. But those who really have a stake in how things run, they made it happen. Okay, there is nothing more imbecilic than a person who sees what's going on right now with the migrant crises in both hemispheres and sees it as righteous comeuppance. All right, <coughs> you were let in, you were let in, you were sheltered, you were given judicial protection from powerful organizations, you are part of a plan, and when it is all done, your ignorant ass is going to be disposed of as well. I just, I, you know, out of all the things that are going on right now that is very, very upsetting, to see people think that this is karma for the West and not completely planned out by the people, by the people who committed all those acts that you would think karma would come back on, that's the most frustrating. Of course, to see them, to see dumb, to have to share space and share air with dumb people. Just don't lose track of the big picture. Great reset. Agenda 2030, never lose track of it. It's all the same thing. It's all the same in the end, as uh, Sublime said. All right, we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere.
somebody tell me what kind of a world we live in where a man dressed up as a bat gets all of my press? This town needs an enema. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! Feels like we're all standing in the waiting line, right? All right. So, so where do we start? Oh, I wanted to get into Zero Hedge and do a little bit on this um, this Trump thing real quick. Right, quick. Right, just a little something. Here's the first one from Zero Hedge. This pretty much gets everything in one place, but then we'll jump over to Kenikova the Great just to to uh, to expand on what he had tweeted out there. Trump rages at deranged New York judge's corporate death penalty decision. What is the corporate death penalty? Well, they're trying to just destroy destroy his business and have him shudder everything. Nazis applauded by Canada's parliament, uh, applauded by Canada's parliament. Chinese money sent to Joe Biden's address. CIA busted using Fauci as a COVID patsy. Border crisis at maximum dissonance and Biden's ratings at a record low. The West is losing focus on the Ukraine war. If ever a distraction was needed, it was now and the playbook says get Trump, among other things. But yes, definitely this is part of it. Right on cue in a stunning decision on Tuesday, a New York state judge found, with no trial or jury, that Donald Trump, his family, and his business, the Trump Organization, was liable for fraud and ordered what experts in New York financial crimes say amounts to a dissolution of his company. In a 35-page ruling, Manhattan Supreme Court Justice Arthur Ngoron revoked the New York business certificates belonging to Trump Organization and any other New York-based business run by Trump or his family while ordering that an independent and third party will be tasked with managing the dissolution of the canceled LLCs. It's a staggering judgment, said John Moscow, a former financial crimes prosecutor for the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. It means you are no longer a company and the judge is appointing someone to take over the assets and distribute them as the court sees fit. It's comparable to once a person dies, a dead person can't sell property. Only the executor of the state can do that, or in this case, the receiver. 
Experts are calling it a corporate death penalty. As Sundance of the conservative treehouse put it, all the banks and lenders did their own due diligence on the financing, which is very important to, to rem remember here. All those years, all the banks and lenders, they don't just take your word for it. They, 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 they receive information, they receive paperwork, and they also go and they assess, especially when you got to insure most of these locations, these buildings, these companies, that you have to go and assess things, assess properties. All the banks and lenders did their own due diligence on the financing. All operational loans and business loans were paid back. There were no defaults or banking interests adversely impacted. There are no victims of what the state calls fraud. Yet the judge is ruling the Trump organization must dissolve all business interests in the state and exit within 10 days. What they're trying to do is stop him from being able to pay for what has otherwise been successful legal defenses. And in the future, who knows how d the successful it's going to be because you know they're throwing so much stuff at him. Something is going to hit for something. And whether he's able to get out of all of it, to be able to fight it all and go through the appeals process and all that other stuff is going to take money. And a lot of it is personally financed. There's a lot of fundraising going on over there. But this is about, this, the rape continues. It is a system that is predicated upon rape. Some people love that because they're sadists. We had a call, a sadist caller last night who enjoys, you know, probably torturing little animals and shoving them up his ass. But, that, but this is something different. As you might expect, uh, President Trump was enraged, blasting the widespread, quote, widespread radical attack against me. My family, my supporters have now devolved to new un-American depths called calling Engoron deranged and James a completely biased and corrupt prosecutor. We are rapidly becoming a communist country and my civil rights have been taken away from me, he said. Uh, this is a Democrat political lawfare and witch hunt at a level never seen before. And the other thing to be uh, to throw out there, like I said, is the uh, Canico of the Great uh, uh, thread that I, well, it's not a thread, it's just a really good tweet. A really well-researched tweet and gives you something to think about. Here's what he said. This is just in. A New York judge ruled that Trump inflated his property values, including Mar-a-Lago, which the judge determined was worth 18 to $27 million from 2011 to 2021. To put this into perspective, neighboring homes on a 0.28 to 0.89 acres, okay, neighboring homes less than an acre are listed for 18 to 40 million next to Mar-a-Lago. Mar-a-Lago, the 20-acre property in the middle Right over there, okay? Here's Mar-a-Lago, 20 acres right there. And you have these other homes around them with less than an acre, some of them less than half an acre, and they're still $19 million. To put it into perspective, neighboring homes, we already had that, Mar-a-Lago, the 20-acre property in the middle, is worth less despite being 20 to 70 times larger. Eric Trump said the real estate circles in Florida are laughing at this foolishness. And Donald Trump Jr. said, if Mar-a-Lago is worth $18 million, I'll take 10, please. But um, how's it going to work out? I don't know. I don't know because they don't care as long as it's something to do. Here are some comments in there. Paul Hookham said, Trump repaid everyone with interest. No one was harmed. This is the weaponization of the judicial system again. Kenneth Cohen said, exactly. This is the continued weaponization of judicial system to get Trump. It never ends. And, um, and by proxy to get us, to get us. That's just really it.
you want to talk about how expensive dying is. How expensive dying is. That is just nothing. That is nothing. Wowee. So I just wanted to put that out there a little bit on, on that end. So you got to be a special kind of slave-ass gimp to see this and love it and to see that there's some kind of value in it. But um, again, just to repeat, I want to take some calls on some things. I want to see people coming on in and, uh, and having a good time with us. Are you in Philly, in Baltimore, in Chicago, anywhere in the Minnesota area? Are you living inside of an American war zone right now? You can call the special hotline I put up there. That is 914-369-1236. 914-369-1236. And the general, 914-200-0269. That is going to be good information going forward tonight. Now... As far as what we're doing right now, not taking calls right now, just wanted to keep that up. I have some stranger stories, complete stranger stories that came in. What was the weirdest thing that a complete stranger has ever done to you? That's the question I asked last night. And we had some things that came in afterwards, and then we're going to get into a very strange encounter with Neil Disgrace Tyson. This is from Jenny. Hello, Frank. One of the strangest encounters was in a grocery store when I went down an aisle. The only other people in the aisle were a couple coming toward me. They were about 70 to 75 years old. The woman was pushing the cart as the man walked beside her. As we passed each other, I met eyes with the man, and he crossed himself as he looked at me. Like the sign of the cross? I wasn't sure if he thought I was an angel or the devil. But I instinctively knew that it meant something. I always wondered what the hell that was about. Best wishes to you and your family, Jenny. Hmm. I would remember something like that as well. You know what's a, what's a very odd memory that I'll always have? Always have. I was walking through some kind of a mall or a lobby of a hotel, a strip mall, something. I had to be about five, six, four maybe. And I was out with my family. I don't know where. I don't know when, but as I was walking with whoever I was with, coming toward me was a girl and her mother, and the girl looked to be maybe about five or six years older than me, probably somewhere around 10, 11, or 12, and she was just walking with her mother, and they were talking about something, and she did this motion with her hands. She tumbled her hands, one over the other, in front of her. Just almost like if if you're in podcast land, if you're hitting a speed bag at the at the gym, and you're going both hands, and you're just boom, 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 just but a little bit more. She's just doing tumbling. I don't know what she was talking to her mother about. I don't know what she was demonstrating. What it was, it is a memory I will never ever forget. I was captivated by it, and I have always gone back to it. And I think this is the first time I've ever told anybody. So that's not a sign of the cross. Well, there was one other thing. We were in mass one time. We were we were in Sunday mass. It was me, it was my brother, and it was my mother. And I had to be I had to be less than I had to be less than 6 years old because we weren't going to this one parish that I eventually left uh, spent my entire childhood at. And it was the 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 church in which I was baptized. I was actually just there meeting with a uh a, uh, a friend of mine the other uh, yesterday, and I actually saw my baptism records. I was sitting there with Father Pat yesterday, talking to him about one thing or another. Just went there for a visit because he was friends with Father Tom. 
and I uh, and he asked, you know, he was just asked, he wanted to learn more about me because Father Tom liked me so much, and we were so he wanted to know more about me too, and, and he asked where I was baptized, and I was actually right here. And um, and my parents were married here too, so he actually went in the back and got these old dusty books. It's about what year? I said, well, I was born in April of '85, so it had to be maybe September. I don't know. Everybody in my family waits like three months for baptisms. At least back then they did. Um, so he goes and he 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 finds these these two books, and boom, there it is. I was baptized on May 11th, 1985. I was only a month old. I thought I said, wow. That's quick. I thought it was like three months was the rule. But to see that, it wasn't digitized. It was this yellowing old book, and it was it was like really amazing. It was really amazing to see it. It was written in by hand, and um, that was nice. Why the hell is I talking about this? Oh, so I was at Mass one time with my mother and my brother, and it came to that part of the Mass where you wish each other, uh, you give each other a sign of peace. And you, at that time, before COVID, you turned around, you faced people, you took their hand, you shook their hand, you looked them in the eye, and you said, peace be with you. And um, now everybody now everybody goes like this. Like their like they're mecha- they're, they're mechanical uh, Christmas, Christmas decorations. Peace, peace, looking at each other. Mm-hmm. No more handshakes. So... I remember we were. It was that time of the of the mass. Everybody is giving each other a sign of peace, and I turn around and there's this old couple behind me. I'm talking old. They're probably in their 80s, and this is in the early 90s. So this old couple's behind me. The this old this old woman and this older man. He had to be. He was, and he looked down at me, and he went. Um, he went. He went to to reach out to me, to to shake my hand, and you know he he, he there was. I still remember how gentle of a guy he presented himself as and he really was just very very nicely hand, putting his hand out and his wife came over uh, well b- b- reached over and put his hand down almost like rejecting me on his behalf so she put his hand down i guess my mother saw it and then he went again. He's and so she she put his hand away, and then he reached out again. He wanted to to take my hand and 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 you know wish me peace, and she again went down and, and kind of like batted his hand down and, and and put his hand back in his lap. My mother turned around and said, "Peace be with you." I remember that. I'll always remember that too. That poor guy, how he must have lived, but he was a good man. I don't know anything about him. I had to be like six years old. But I'll I'll always remember that. I, I mean, the face is blurry, but I I just remember the sun, how it came through the the stained glass windows, how the place was lit up, and I just remember the the two attempts to shake my hand, and he was rejected by, I was rejected by his wife. Man, some people, man, some people. So that's another thing I'll always remember. All right, here's another one for you. Uh, strange strangers. Sometimes someone started petting me. Someone started, this is from uh, Carol, someone started petting me while I was working, not like groping me or anything, just pet me like a cat. And then they went their merry way, leaving me with so many questions. Wow, Carol. Christopher says, once a drunk person walked straight up to me and said, Matt Damon? It was in a crowd too. I was absolutely terrified. And no, I am not Matt Damon. Uh, Here's from Jeff. 
said, I was watching Tales of the Jedi on a public bus yesterday, and I felt like there was someone behind me. I turned around, and there was a guy with his face squished between my rose seats, asking me what I was watching. <laughs> See? There's a lot of crazy shit going on out there. A lot of crazy shit. I know that more things have happened to you that you uh, probably can't even remember right now. Here's one. Th- here's one more, and this is from uh, this is from Jerry. It says on the subject, an old man unprompted started telling me about his cockfighting ring that he runs in Puerto Rico. There you go. Place some bets while you can. All right. So here's a strange encounter. Another one that everybody can enjoy right now. Uh, the hosts of Trigonometry, the, the two British guys, I've seen them on, on YouTube before, and you know, I um, I don't know, I, I guess I took them as, as kind of like center-left, but reasonable, kind of funny, definitely okay on free speed. I, I, I saw them once before, so I was familiar with their faces. Anyway, they landed an interview with uh, someone, a creature, who is every midwit's favorite scientist, and that is Neil deGrasse Tyson. And uh, they, he, he really flies off the handle when the interviewers start talking about his, you know, picking apart his support for men competing in women's sports. This, was, this uh, article was written about it on the Gateway Pundit. I'm not going to read the article. We're just going to watch the four-minute clip over here because it's, it's really incredible. It's really incredible. Um, so let's just jump right into it, shall we? Here we go. One of your functions over time has been to communicate scientific knowledge to the public. Yeah. My only point was that if who you decide is male and female in the street is a construct of, of, of style and trends and what the beauty industrial complex wants you to see if that's how we establish gender it's not i'll just stop with you i'll just stop you right there it's not how we establish sex or gender whatever the hell this 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 term i mean that i i hate using the word gender because it seems like it's an intentionally deceptive term that is supposed to be so vague now Oh, no, it's not about biology. It's about expression and what's going on inside your mind, which could change every day. Oh, so it's thought. Gender is just thought. It's ridiculous. But but look at what he's saying here. It's not about style. It's not determined through trends or the, the so-called beauty industrial complex. That's not what determines it at all. It, it, all that determines is style. That's all that determines that you. Yeah, style and fashion. That's what that determines. In fact, it's the opposite. It's the opposite of what he's actually saying right here. One of the main drivers behind transgenderism is about what is passable, okay? What is passable on the outside? How well a person can appropriate the style and the demeanor of the opposite sex. So he starts off by adopting this false presence, this this false premise, and it's a weak one at that. Weak one. This guy's supposed to be a galaxy brain then maybe some people want to be fluid within that gender. 
However, what I would say is that the conversation in the public consciousness has become prominent not between people who want to defend the right of anyone to dress how they want and the people who want to prevent that. The reason the conversation has become an issue is that we assign and allow certain privileges to people based on their sex. If you are female, you get to compete only with people of your sex because females are at, at a disadvantage in physical competition to males in almost every sport. So I'm wondering whether the future of those sports is you don't contest gender with gender, you contest hormone ratios. What? Well, hold on a second. What, but what the, difference is the difference is physiologically between men and women are not just hormonal. Women have a different hip angle. They have different heart capacity. They have different lung capacity. I mean, there are profound physiological differences, different bone density. We've had okay, professional so then we athletes find, on the show so, to talk so about it. I don't have a problem with that. So then you find ways. It doesn't matter what you have a problem with. It's just the way it is. You don't need to approve it. It's like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. He'll allow it. I... Now, I've watched this a little bit. I wa It's only four minutes, so I watched it before just to see what we can do with it for the show. So he's going to expand on that. Perhaps we can go and uh, reimagine what competition looks like, where it's not just contesting genders or sexes, but it's contesting something else. Uh, it, 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 this is incredible where it goes. ...to slice the population so that whatever the event is, is is interestingly contested. So, for example, I wrestled in my life. I was mm -hmm. captain of my high school wrestling team. It would be unfair for me at 190 pounds, which is what I was back then, to wrestle someone 120 pounds. Hold on, it would actually be unfair for you to wrestle someone who's also 190 pounds, but female. Let me, let me work my way there. So, what the trans conversation is foisting upon us is the need to find ways to slice the athletic universe such that we still have interesting fair matches no and is no there is no need it is not it, no the the, the, tra the trans nothing is being is foisting itself upon us there are crazy people who are foisting this on us and there is no need, no requirement to change what we know about mankind since it's dawn to be able to, there's no need for us to be able to curtail anything because it is just, we're talking about playing pretend in the most feeble of ways, useless. Again, this is supposed to be a galaxy brain. Is it a combination of did you go through puberty? <laughs> Um, uh, uh, as a male and then transition? Did you have puberty blockers? He's talking about all the different criteria and all the different things now that should be adopted as future, uh, I, I don't know, I, I guess future criterion as, as to where you compete and against whom. Just so that the, oh, the you're not talking about sex. That you can allow anybody to go as long as you are being, uh, I don't know, assessed in one way or... But listen to wh where he goes. Um, what is your hormone level now uh, as you, if you want to compete? So it requires more creative thought. Rather than saying no, no to it all, yes. no let's to be it all. creative about this. Yeah. It's an unsolved problem. Yes.
No, it's a, it's a made-up problem. It is a useless, cumbersome problem that there is no solving. Because once you think you have a, a, a handle on it, it is going to shift and mutate and transform because it is rooted in mental illness. And I don't know why you want to be an enabler of that. But it's not unsolvable, given it's what we know about human physiology. So why not rise to that occasion and solve it, rather than take your older view of the world and force modern emergent conduct of people to fit that emergent conduct of pe modern emergent conduct of people so it's not physiological it's psychological it's psychological it's behavioral you're talking about people who are in a world where they think they're trapped between sexes it is not physiological. That's the whole thing. Because we have had very set standards of, of, uh, athletic, of athletic competition that have been working now for many, many generations, countless generations. This is not a problem that needs to be solved. Everything's fine, actually, for those of us who are normal. I would go deeper to that problem. So but you there don't are have women to have whose, that question. whose opportunities are being curtailed today because they are being forced to compete, whether in sports or elsewhere, against people who have he's, some he's kind of advantage. Boiling. We're, we're in a that... transitional period, so we have to figure that out. But the, 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 the way to figure out things that require solutions to progressive change is not to regress it to how things once were. If that were the case, I would still be drinking from a segregated water fountain, okay? Oh, let's merge the water fountains and... Okay. 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 Where should we start with this one? So he says, let's be creative with how do we save Western civilization. How about, well, you no, know, he's not saying that. That's what I, I hope he would be saying. But now he's talking about the drinking water. Well, let, let's let him finish his thought. Let's, let's create the opportunities from below so that we don't even need the short list, okay? That's how I would approach this. So yeah, it, we're in the middle of solving that problem now. Figure, let's figure it out together. I, I think uh, a lot of people would have an issue with what you're saying, Neil, is because they see women being denied opportunities. They see an unfair playing field, metaphorically and literally speaking. So fix the playing field, damn it! What, what, don't, don't say it's an unfair playing field, so all of a sudden the big issue is trans women taking the slot of a woman in an unfair playing field. Fix the playing field, and you know something? The day you fix that playing field, this conversation will look completely ridiculous. Oh, man. Oh, you have, you have put yourself... You have achieved ignoramus immortality, Neil. You have achieved ignoramus immortality. I'm sure that you, people are going to be asking you to do interviews and sucking your balls for the rest of your life, but you are a fucking moron. You're a moron. If you ever see this, you're a moron. How about we're creative with how to save Western civilization? How about that? That would that, be a, a much better thing to, uh, to, to put our, our time and our money to. The migrant invasion that's going on right now, the doomed central banks, what happens after that all collapses? Who gets to uh, wrestle away control of the future of our economies? We have 300 million Americans with no representation inside of a rogue government. Birth rates are plummeting. Obesity and drug consumption are skyrocketing. And you think we need to be creative about how we encourage gender confusion in sports? 
and to I mean I mean and at the very least it, it should be dismissed we are in such bad shape as a civilization this should be dismissed across the board until we have the luxury of debating such foolishness again that's number one and the only issue the only issue with Neil's uh, segregated water fountain issue is that drinking water is something that every creature on earth needs the act of drinking water is something that every creature on earth does it's not an athletic competition why would you bring up segregated water fountains to insinuate that exclusive track and field competitions for men and women respectively is somehow retrograde and backwards that is pretty astonishing and again pretty weak this is supposed to be one of the greatest intellectuals of our time <laughs> but then again he's a progressive what do you what do you, what do you, what do you want so instead of instead of calling this so-called problem out as a damaging psyop that it is neil says well fix the fake problem fix the fake problem and it's so simple to do you know it's so simple to fake to fix this problem you just have to test every girl and every boy who wants to run in a race to see if their hormone levels match up to each other then you have to test each of their bone densities and their hip width and all that other stuff you have to test all of their lung capacities to see if that's comparable test their height and their weight what drugs they take what phase of puberty they've already been through yeah there you go it's all fixed it's all fixed neil need to go through a battery of tests just to run a fucking race because uh, because that would be easier would be easier to take a battery of tests take weeks just to test yourself to compare yourself to other competitors just so you can get onto a track and feel it's incredible it's incredible you want to talk about waste wasted thoughts wasted thoughts guys and dolls do not be dismayed do not be dismayed if you if you would lose to Neil deGrasse Tyson in a bar trivia night, don't worry. Don't worry if you if he knows more about the periodic table than you. He is a loony narcissist with a space fetish. That is all he is. Loony. This is the state of leftist intelligentsia right now. It's like living inside of a Jackson Pollock painting. It is mindless and formless. Yeah. So uh, so I want to end this segment with a little bit of a um, a little bit of an ode to Norm Macdonald, who got Neil deGrasse Tyson pretty good, I think, in April of uh, 2019, when Neil said, "The universe is blind to our sorrows and indifferent to our pains. Have a nice day." His little his little way that he does it, and then Norm goes and retweets it and says, "Neil." There is a logic flaw in your little aphorism that seems quite telling. Since you and I are part of the universe, uh, then we would also be indifferent and uncaring. People, you forget, Neil. Um, Perhaps you forget, Neil, that we are not superior to the universe, but merely a fraction of it. Nice day indeed. And I think that's the um, one of the better, calmer things to take away from all this. Just remember, just remember the connectivity here. The connectivity here and the flow and the balance and some things cannot be meddled with. Some things cannot be perfected. That is just the way it is. So I'm going to take a really quick break. Um, Well, actually, you know, we have enough time. Maybe we just go right to calls. Let's just do some calls. All right. 914. 
200-0269. Let me know what you're thinking. In the second half, you're going to be able to call in on anything. I guess we're just going to go for some general lines right now. 914-200-0269. Would love to know what you have coming up. And remember, in the second half, I also want to say two other things. One last call for Aurora's, uh, the Aurora edition postcards that we do every September. Um, Like if you sent a show, a tip through PayPal over the next two days, just add your, your mailing address to it and we will send it to you. No tip is too small. Anything you send will most certainly cover the 60 cent postage stamp. So it is all good. And, um, and that's what we have. 914-200-0269. Get on with me and tell me what you tell me what you know. Retro Retroocalypse says it was a joy to see you on Matt and Blonde's show the other night. Thank you for everything you do, my man. Thank you, Retro. It's great to have you. Really, really great to have you. Let's take a call from King. What's going on, King? Hey, how you doing, Frankie baby? I'm doing all right. Great to have you on. Good to be on. Um, just really quick on the uh, so-called scientist you had on there and yeah. what he was talking about with the competing in sports. Um, me being an older guy, this all started in the 70s with like broads trying to get into men's sports and pussify men's sports. So at first, when all this stuff was happening, this training stuff, of the men getting in women's sports, I laughed at it, right, and said, hi, well, see, this is what you get, all right? Turnabout is fair play. But now it's gone too far, and everybody needs to just get a hold of themselves and go back to being what they really are. You know what I'm talking about? Absolutely. Oh, no, that's, all, that's the other thing, uh, King. I, I don't, I mean, it's either you get a hold of yourself or... This whole thing is going to pull pull itself apart, and you're back to square one anyway. There's no way that this keeps up. It's a fantasy, and it's only being pieced together right now because some people know that the kind of cultural chaos it's creating is advantageous at the moment. Eventually, it's unsustainable. Nobody, nobody who comes to power wants to rule over a bunch of people who don't know what gender they are. Right now, it is advantageous because it creates chaos and political opportunity. Yeah. And, like, if we go back to what I was talking about when I was young and all of a sudden they started having girls in Little League, and, I and like, I was one of the few guys, that, well, I wasn't a guy, I was a boy back then, that was like, what the fuck, get them out of here. <laughs> and, of course, I was looked down on for saying that because I'm recognizing, like, reality. I would just like to say back then, any father that would push his daughter to go in to playing with the boys, you ain't no father, you ain't no man that you would put your daughter in that situation. Well, we've definitely come uh, since the 70s. You can just see how it, uh, it's gone very far. In That's both where, well, I mean, it goes back a little further to the 60s, yep. but it really ramped up in the 70s. So, broads, be happy with being broads. We love you as broads. All right? We do. We really do. You don't have to compete on our playing field. We respect you being yourselves and competing on your own playing field. You don't have to be with us all the time. Good points, King. And, and to be honest, thank you for the call, my man. Thank you for taking it, sir. All righty. And, 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 and on that, I would have to just say on behalf of vast majority of women out there and girls, I don't think that 
I don't think that, uh, that that is really something that they want to do. I really don't think so. I mean, Little League Baseball, I've coached some of the, the, the best players I ever coached. The mo- some of the most coachable and talented players I ever coached were girls. And that was those are some of the best memories of my life. And they go on. But, again, at you hit 12 years old. And the boys go on to the big field, the 60-90 field. And then the girls go on to softball. And and that's where you go. I think, you know, when, when you're 10, 11, 12, I, I, I have no problem with girls playing Little League. And um, I've had great success coaching them, and, and they're very capable. But ultimately, what we're seeing right now with, like, Riley Gaines and everybody else across one sport or another, one, one competitive, uh, one competition or another, is what they're actually petitioning for is to be left to, uh, to compete in, in, a, um, in an environment that best suits them and that gives them a chance to succeed. They're actually protesting the fact that they are having opportunities stolen from them by men. So um, those who are protesting against it and wanting to change this all up, I don't think those people are watching the show. I think that they are uh, in a, I don't know, I don't know what the hell they're doing right now, sacrificing chickens somewhere. Makes no sense. All right, let's take another call. 484, you're on the air. Go ahead. 484? Hey. Hey, who's this? Yeah, how's it going? Going well. Who's this? This is John. John, this welcome. Frank. Yeah, welcome to the show, John. Hey, how's, how's, how's everything going? Oh, well, it's going. It's going. What's on your mind tonight? Um, well, I'm sitting here with my folks, and um, we're we're enjoying your show very much. I I turned uh, you on to them, and it's uh, it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun. How, wait, wait, to, uh, how old? How old, John? How old are your parents? Um, they're, uh, in their, uh, 70s. Okay, ask them if, if my potty mouth has gotten, has, has turned them off at all. I'm very sorry. I don't, I keep forgetting who's watching. No, not at all. I mean, I'll ask you, you guys, you guys, uh, you know, have a problem with his potty mouth? Okay, all right. Did you hear that? I, I I hear I hear a little bit more of your your mother than your father. I hear your father call somebody a fucking moron. No, no, it was he, yeah. He he loved that you called some. I forget who it was. You called oh yeah Neil deGrasse Tyson. You called him a fucking moron. I did. He loved that. I used the f word. Oh anyway anyway. See I, I black out a little bit. Anyway John, thank you for the call and send my best to your your parents. What was on your mind? Absolutely. Hey hey real quick. I just want to say um, they're actually involved with Jordan Peterson. Um, and they're doing this thing uh, it's called the ARC Forum in London, and um, he's, he's he's gathering a bunch of you know social media influencers, and you really should get involved, man. Who's involved? Um, your your parents? Yeah, my parents are 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 you know they're involved, and you know we'd love to get you involved in it as well. Oh well, I mean, I I, uh, I London. I, well. It, First of all, I don't even know what the what the thing is, but why don't you just email me? I'd love to hear a little bit more about okay. what you're doing there. That that would uh, that would be nice to at least hear about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've like I've I've been listening to you for years, man. I really appreciate what you've been doing. Honestly, you're you're a voice in the wilderness, and you're you're you know you're smart, you're intelligent, um, and you're growing very strongly. And you know, I I can tell you have, you've got big things ahead, and. This is a, an, an opportunity I think we should we should pounce on. Get, get you involved with these guys. 
sure. Well, John, I'll be looking out for your email. I'd love to. I'd love to at least take a gander of what you got there. And thank you. Thank you for at least considering me uh, of uh, worthy. And I really appreciate the compliments and all the best to your parents over there too. Call in more, okay? Okay, we'll do, man. Take care. All right, take care. Thank you so much. Bye. Let's go to uh, one more call before break. Uh, let's go seven one seven. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hello. Hello. Thank you for taking my call, Frank. Oh, no problem. Who's this? Uh, this is um, Absurdus Annie. Hello. Hello. Hello, Annie. No, Absurdist Annie. Absurdist Annie? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I'm not, I can't call you Annie, though. Well, no, you can't. You have to call me Absurdist Annie. There's just so many syllables. <laughs> hey, listen, I have um, three things. I'm, first of all, I'd like to thank you so much for opening up general conversation. Okay. And I'd like, I have three quick things to say. Um, the first thing is there's a lot of division right now, people talking about boomers and all this, you know, divisive type language. And I hope the young people realize that Things were just as sequestered in the media as they are now. So give them a break. The second thing is, Brooks Robinson, number five, the human vacuum cleaner, yep. died yesterday. Rest in peace, Brooks, one of the best third basemen to ever play the, the game. Yeah, and I haven't heard hardly any. Uh, I had to call my cousin because he's a big fan down in Florida. Shout out to Tim. Um and um, he didn't hear about it. Okay, what's the third? And he's always watching ESPN and all the you know sports channels and everything. And he was a good, decent man. All our children used to look up to him. Yeah, see, yeah, and and listen, I'm a I, I'm a Yankee fan. Obviously, he's before before my time. But you you grow up learning about the greats, and you're always learning about Brooks Robinson. So, what's your third thing there, Annie? Well, the third thing is. <clears throat> Um, October 9th is Fire Prevention Week. Okay. And if you guys will look on your Google calendars and everything, you won't see it anymore. Fire prevention? Oh, you think it's a conspiracy? Well, I mean, they took it off. It's been it's been a um, commemorative of uh, date since 1928 under the uh, presidency of, of Calvin Coolidge. Um, it was recognized for the week of the ninth because on the ninth of October the Great Chicago Fire burned down. It burned. Well, they need time. They need they need a lot of uh, not a lot of extra space in that uh, the first half of October. And thank you for the call, Annie. I got to get onto the, my uh, intermission now. Um, they need a lot of space in that first third of October now for all the Indigenous People Days. So I'm sorry, Fire Prevention Month uh, has been retired. But you can always go to your local firehouse and get one of those smoke uh, trailers. You ever crawl through the smoke trailer? You know, go inside, and all of a sudden the dry ice starts coming in. You're like, oh, no, let's crawl out. And uh, and that's where they, they well, anyway. RIP Fire uh, Prevention Month. They obviously don't want anybody to prevent any fires, those bastards. So here's what we're going to be doing. I've got a lot of great calls still to call, take with you and other things to read through in the second half. I'm looking forward to it. We have a whole hour to go, but um, we are switching off of YouTube and going right into the intermission 
on the other side. And then on the other side of the intermission, there is the premiere of the music video that I produced for Anthony's single, Swimming Through Air, with the help of, quite frankly, producer Al Gorbachev. I've been itching to do this, and I'm so excited to share it with you. We put the finishing touches on it when I was out in Vermont. In listening to that song, I said, Ant, I've got an idea for a, a video, and um, you know, I've, I just want to, uh, I'm gonna do this. And he said, yeah, go ahead. And I sent it to him for on his birthday, and he said, this is fantastic, he loved it. Um, so, just inspired by the lyrics, I thought, all the dream girls of the past, let's just, let's go to the, the dream girls, waking up, is she still gonna be there? Probably not. I don't know. But I hope you enjoy it, and we'll talk to you soon on the other side of the intermission everywhere but YouTube. Because, and ladies and gentlemen, is it an inconvenience? It sucks. YouTube is a wasted miracle. It's stable. It's beautifully put together, and I wish we can invest in our future there. But as you know, we just got to create a little bit more of a of a familiarity with following the show elsewhere because you have no clue what kind of purges are going to be coming around in 2024 and you know we already have one strike that was given to us so we're two strikes away from saying goodbye even though we just hit 100k so be a good sport i love you i'd love to have you still watch it's just a click away. Go to quitefrankly.tv or anywhere else. If you go to quitefrankly.tv, you don't have to go anywhere when the After Hours programming starts up, which is going to feature uh, Evan Alexander and the, um, the Proof of Heaven, which is a pretty much of a, a prerequisite for tomorrow night's show as we talk about that then, that and NDEs. So thank you so much. We will be right back. Don't go anywhere. Sorry, folks, but the rest of this show is too hot for YouTube. Switch over right now to quitefrankly.tv. It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Welcome to intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Quite frankly. 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 Qu
All right. Women, right? Ain't nothing like them. I put, I put so, I, I, you know what? So much of that just fell out. It was so easy to put that together as far as the list. And um, I'll tell you, the first time I watched it, I almost got emotional. I had the goosebumps. I had a little bit of a ball in the throat. I said, I said, I got in touch with Gorbachev. I said, dude, this is, this is gorgeous. The timing, this is just gorgeous. So, um, so there you go. I don't know where I post that because I don't know if it's, uh, I don't know if it's, if it's something that would like, like survive with copyright, but it's just short clips. But I think we got it. Obviously, there's some people that got left out, but I think we got a really great list there. I got a rational fear that I'll open my eyes and she'll no longer be there. I said, oh, this has got to be every starlet on screen, stage, television, cartoon. We've got to find everyone. So, felt good. So every once in a while when I really have to take a long potty break, I can throw that one up there and I know that everybody will be nice. And uh, I hope that we can start making more music videos like it to mix in with the Set the Charge stuff and all the new music that's still to come out. Um, I just got a text message from Mike from Maryland said, holy fuck, that video is a masterpiece. It is. It is. I'm so proud of it. I'm very proud of it. All right, let's let's uh, let's get into some super chats and then some calls. Here on a Wednesday night, it is hump day. And if you don't feel like humping now after that video, oh, what the hell's wrong with you? All right, Jay Semo says, ignoramus immortality. Beautiful, love it. <laughs> See, those are the things, those are the little moments of the show that you just can't duplicate. Those are the little moments. Stostoop says, if one was to drop a super chat, in support of great independent media. On this fine hump day Wednesday, what would one say? Well, they would shout out to all the Franklies and Franciscans. That would be it. Thank you, Stow Stube, for everything. And uh, again, another one to Retro uh, Retrocalypse. Retro, retro Thank you again for that very generous super chat and and. It was a joy to be on Matt and Blonde's show the other night, and I hope Blonde comes back and uh, in rare form, ready to go, and I really hope we all get to work with each other again. I'd love to have both of them simulcast with me again one night, and all good. I'm not going to be watching any of the Republican primary, the, the kiddie pool primary uh, debates, but that will be, I guess, tonight. I guess that'll be... Um, I saw a bunch of people saying they're going to get together and do it at 8.30 in a little bit. I saw Alex Jones is going to be on um, Steven Crowder's channel or something like that. Uh, I'll just watch highlights, and we'll we'll talk about it some of the time this week. Maybe Friday, there's a couple of clips that me and Matt can laugh at. Other than that, what's the point? What is the point? Unless you're doing a movie rip, like some kind of a mystery science theater kind of viewing of the of the event. Jesse81138, thank you. Robert Sarns, thank you. Sean Joe over there. This is all on Foxhole on QuiteFrankly.tv. And Porpoiseful, thank you. CB Joey says, I'm embarrassed to say I've met Tyson. This was pre-Koof when everyone was still normal. 
you know, I'll tell you something else. I've listened to quite a few episodes of one show or another uh, with Neil deGrasse Tyson on there. I think I even threw a Neil deGrasse Tyson interview up with him when he was on with Art Bell, maybe back in 2015 when Art came back with uh, Mr. Uh, Midnight in the Desert. I think I even threw that up on a on a Sunday night. He, he, you know, when you when you remove the current context of the, the time that we live in and what people have been compelled to to align themselves with and carry water for and all that, provided some good conversations, jam packed with did you knows and uh, you know metaphors and analogies to put size and scale and texture to 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 things that go on in nature or in the cosmos it was all enlightening at one point uh, and then of course everybody just had to everybody had to expose themselves and now it's getting harder and harder to listen to that was just out of control the yelling and what are you yelling over what are you yelling about like is, I mean, it's just it's just insane. The subject matter is what it made what made it exceptionally loony. All right, so listen, here we have we have two lines, and I definitely want to hear a little bit from some people on this line. If you are in an American war zone, in an American Great Reset war zone, which is one place, starting in one place, it's going to proliferate out everywhere else. I want you to call in. All right. Are you in a the Philadelphia area, any part of New York City, Baltimore, Chicago, anywhere on the West Coast that you have seen a neighborhood that you grew up in or that you moved to at some point become progressively more and more unstable over the last few years? You have firsthand accounts. You can call in. Uh, that's the War Zone hotline. 914-369-1236. Then we also have the general hotline. The general line is 914-200-0269. They are both open right now. Let me know what you got and give it to me. I got a message over here from someone on the Discord that said, Did you hear about Wayne Brady, Frank? I said, No, I did not. What happened? Well, he just came out. He opened up to the media on the Huffington Post as being pansexual. Wayne Brady, he's pansexual now. And um, I said, no, I did not know that. And he said he had just won Dancing with the Stars. Um, just won Dancing with the Stars. And I was so shocked that they let a straight, seemingly good values black guy win on that show. Because he was dancing against another black actual tranny. Who they were worshipping the whole season. I know this because my wife watches the, the show. And I sometimes peek in. I knew he was too good to be true. Literally every talented black guy on television is a mind-controlled fruitcake. Well, I've heard rumors about things and people like uh, Dave Chappelle and others have talked about the, the, the toll that must be paid, wearing the dress, things like I mean, we We've seen it before and obviously that, that uh, is, these rules are widespread for everybody. But Wayne Brady opens up his pants. <laughs> I'm sure Neil is pleased. I'm sure Neil is pleased. Okay, we have a call on the Warzone hotline. 503, you're on the air. What's your name? Or you don't have to tell me your name, but where are you from and what are you seeing right now? 
Hey, Frank. Uh, my name's John, and I think Portland counts as a war oh. zone. Oh, geez. Okay, go ahead, John. I, I'm just going to sit back and listen. Well, uh, you know, I moved here quite a long time ago from the East Coast, where you're from. And over these last, I don't know, maybe five years, the whole side, east side of Portland is just completely thrashed and with homeless people everywhere. It's just uh, it's dangerous, drug-ridden, uh, and the downtown area, too. They've chased all the businesses out of downtown Portland. Shit, some of the businesses were 100 years old. Mm. This place is falling apart. And I'm sure it's not much different over there in um, your neck of the woods because I see every day what's happening with the, with the, um, you know, aliens, illegal aliens that have been jumping across the border, and that yeah. freaking mess. The whole place is melting down, Frank. Well, uh, you know, it's Bidenomics, man. Well, John, I, in, uh, I saw this one thing here, um, and I, I think it was it was similar to what was being reported and produced coming out of San Francisco and a lot of uh, at least a handful of homeless people were interviewed about what was going on in Portland and why they're there where they come from and it seems that um, out of out of all the the native homeless people that are out there many travel in from California because they are being offered free drugs and free money and and they are they're they're, they're pretty much being subsidized to live on the street and keep up a keep up a, a drug habit that is that is uh yeah. it, it, that's just, they're, it's they're, just insane they're not incentivized in any way to get out of these camps and go into housing of any kind because they can't do drugs there otherwise they would but there are some people i'm not saying everybody there are some people smothered in between with children and everything that are out there Okay, and this is just ridiculous. And last week, I read an article from the city of Portland that's saying they got $116 million worth of money sitting there. That, and I don't know what they're using it on. They're sure not using it on drug control or anything else. And not that I'm opposed to drugs, Frank. I think they all should be legal. Okay, and they pretty much have done that here. Okay, but look at the consequences of it. And it ain't just here. It's the entire East Coast. I travel a lot around the country. It's in many, many places. Yeah. And I'm not sure about the homelessness over there in the east, but if it's anything like the west, we got work to do. We need to roll up our sleeves and get the fuck to work. Well, you know what it I'm is. Sorry for a bad language. No, it's all right. You're you're passionate. Like you said, you're saying you, you said most of you've been there for a while, but the downturn in the quality of life and everything else, you said it's just it's really been concentrated in the last 5 years or so. Yeah, about yeah, about five to ten years, I'd say. That's a very um, you know, fast. As, the, as the, the, the drug laws got more liberal um, and we legalized weed, and I'm not against weed, don't get me wrong. I, I grow a lot of weed. It's awesome. But, uh, you know, seeing all these people, it's not the weed, Frank. It has nothing to do with any of that shit. It's the fentanyl, and that's exactly what it is. We've been overrun at the border by uh, fentanyl and immigrants mm-hmm. and it's showing up everywhere. You can see it. I don't have to go on anymore with you. Well, thank so I wish you a good evening, you and the Frank Lees and the Franciscans. Well, have a great night. My my man, John from Portland, stay safe out there. Um, there you go. We'll take some more. 914-369-1236. And then we have the general line, 914-200-0269. Um, I got some electroculture updates from people. 
some people are saying that it's doing wonderful things. I just want I, I'm just throwing it out there. I've, I've been getting emails from people saying that their jalapeno plants just keep producing peppers at an insane rate. This one is from uh, Austin. See, he grew a 20-pound watermelon. Now I have three more growing at a pretty good rate. This is all from introducing copper, two new sticks of copper. And uh, tomato plants are just exploding. Exploding. Now, there are others that got in touch with me, like this farmer Joe. He said, long story short, after a few weeks, everything looks exactly the same. My copper experiment did not work. Keep up the good work, Frank. I like your show very much. I'm afraid I might be gay. I don't know. That's the only um, that's the only failure to launch story with the electroculture. I don't know why I switched this. I just saw it in my notes. Little thing as an aside until we get some more calls coming in. Here we go, Chris from the Berkshires. What's going on, Chris? Hey, what's going on, Frank? How you been? Doing well. You're on the war zone hotline there. So, uh, what have, what are you seeing? Yeah, yeah. So, so I live currently driving out in the middle of nowhere to my house. Hopefully I don't lose you, but um, so I live in, in Western Massachusetts, basically right on the New York City or the New York Albany area line. And um, I moved up here about uh, probably like ten years ago, and then really like finally called this my my home about uh, about six years ago. And this is an area that has been Democrat run since I believe it was the sixties. And since I moved here, there was a mall, there was shops, there was stores, there was a bustling business, and an overall happiness to the people that I saw, right? And it was it was it was tough leaving where I grew up, but coming, you know, it was easy to make this place home because it's got certain things that I like, you know, I like being in the mountains, I like all that, whatever. In the last five years, I could even say less than that. Basic, well, yeah, about five years. The mall completely shut down and closed up. It is literally just a massive empty space that they have that they vote on constantly. The homeless problem has gone exponentially through the roof. It is absurd what has happened. During COVID, they took all of the homeless and dumped them out of the uh, homeless shelters. And then they basically got accustomed to living on the street. There is a system. So I live in basically the central city of Western Massachusetts not really a city compared to say New Jersey or New York or anything like that but it has roughly 50,000 60,000 people in it Um, they have emptied all the homeless people out and for you know it has just been the drugs are out of control the schools are Chris what about what about uh, uh, just violence and do you have any of these um, do do you have you at all whiffed any of the the civil rights uh, violence at all, that that kind of, uh, of that nature. So we had during the, the whole BLM thing, we had a little small uprising uh, of people basically marching down our main street. Um, they were looking to cause problems, yes. Uh, it didn't garnish the crowd, I would think, they were looking for as, you know, people would see it on TV and then they were hoping everybody would show up when, when they did it, where the police were able to kind of squander it. Um, we don't have what's going on in Philadelphia right now, but we also don't have the, the push or the, the, the shops. We don't have the, the, the money or the, the, the stores to be able to be looted. And the stores that they would loot, I mean, there's a couple of them that would, would garnish, you know, some goods out of it. But a lot of it, gotcha. you know, it's, 
it's mostly just a massive economic downturn that has just completely crushed the people of the area. You know, these are people that live up here their entire lives, and they this used to be one of like the bustling areas between Boston and and, and Albany and New York City and, and Connecticut. And it is it's in five years. I, I I feel like I said I've been here for about ten, and in five years it has been one of the most insane complete three or one eighties that I could have ever imagined. You know, like. I grew up in at the Jersey Shore where where everything's booming, you know? And then I came up here and I was like, okay, this is cool. There's a cool little economic, you know, area and there's stuff to do and there's restaurants gotcha. and there's this and there's that. And it has basically just fallen apart. And there's just well, you know, of homeless people you, you, that you, you, literally work the corners. It's insane. We're seeing we're seeing that uh, the pop up a lot too. Um, and thanks for the call, Chris, because you know that that right there. I'm glad that you. Um, that's something that probably is being felt a little bit more across the board. I don't. I don't expect everybody to be bearing witness to what's going on in places like Philadelphia right now. It's going to be somebody else's turn turn soon. And if you are seeing something like that, where it is just the bullets are flying, that you know from your from you, you know, from an apartment window, you have been able to watch riots happen right outside your window. I want to hear from you uh, too. But that is a huge part of the war, the economic side of the war. I mean, that's it. I mean, that is a main stressor. That is a main stressor that's been put on a lot of this stuff. You know, the daring somebody to intervene, especially when it comes to uh, theft and all that stuff. But uh, but we'll see. Take some more calls. And remember, the, the general line, 914-200-0269. We've got a, a, a number of things you can comment on. The Neil deGrasse Tyson funny stuff or any kind of uh, related story with that. There is, I mean, hey, what do, what do you think about the music video? You can call in and, and say that or you can call in with whatever the hell you want. I've given you enough to work with so far. And um, away we go. 914-200-0269. First, another one from the Warzone hotline. 360, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, what up? This is Chris. I'm from Puget Sound, Seattle area. Well, what's going on in Seattle? Were you? Did you? Did you get to see the formation of Chaz? Yeah, that was up there. Yeah, oh. I saw all that shit where they could throw Molotov cocktails at police officers but not get arrested. Oh. Yeah, man, that was crazy. So go ahead, do more. What but have also, you got? there was a, a bunch of uh, you know, uh, like paid people to get people to go do stuff. Like I saw multiple videos of guys. You know, like Antifa and stuff, you know, basically paying people to go riot, you know? Absolutely. Cash, like, in hand. But, like, the economic side, dude, man, I'm a commercial electrician up here in the union, and there is 750 guys on the books, which is unheard of. Like, the whole city's, like, shut down almost electrical-wise. They have billions and billions of dollars of subsidies basically so like our union they're always like oh vote democrat or whatever you know and i'm like why are you asking me what i'm voting but they have billions of dollars supposed to be going to homeless housing and they give them all to non-union contractors and like the whole union is like pretty much almost just shut down dude it's it's crazy like i'm i'm looking for work in alaska and looking at antarctica and there's like an intel job in oregon that i could go to so when but, you say so when yeah, you say because i don't know i don't know um i don't know what what is normal but when you say that for the union in this city 
750, is that abnormally low or high? No, that's super high, dude. Like, the union owns 90% of the market in Seattle, usually. You know, like Amazon came in and built six city blocks, and we've been doing, I mean, we've pretty much been booming. We were the third largest uh, city with cranes in the air uh, next to Dubai and, like, Amsterdam, and now they're all gone. And, like, uh, the, the way they let the violence go downtown and the people that are, you know, breaking into the malls and doing, like, smashing grabs and stuff, like, everybody's moved out of downtown and nobody wants to freaking bring their businesses downtown other than, like, the corporate side, like, you know, Amazon and Microsoft and all these things. Like, Microsoft is one of the only big jobs still going on right now, like a you know, a five-year project for, like, a huge campus, but that's not even in the city of Seattle. That's, like, up in Bellevue. So you know? Seattle and has been a... Because I, 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 we've heard about these these plots of land that that, uh, that places like Amazon or other big companies were trying to grab up in the desert and just build pretty much their own corporate cities or towns and stuff. I did not... Uh, I, so it sounds like um, Seattle has been a a place where a lot of those same companies are coming there to claim their rights to a few city blocks, huh? Oh, yeah. They, I didn't they, know I mean, this. In the last couple of years, right before COVID, it's, it was called the second Silicon Valley because all the major tech companies were moving to Seattle. And they were they were actually developing um, multiple city blocks at a time. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so Amazon it, bought up, like, multiple city blocks, like skyscrapers. I mean, we built multiple, multiple Amazon skyscrapers. So Amazon pretty much has their own campus. It's almost like it's the Amazon neighborhood. Yeah, they have, like, it was like four or five city blocks that was all Amazon. And then I did Google. Uh, and then that's where the crane fell down. I don't know if you saw that on the news. A uh, uh, sky crane fell down and killed some people. I was on that job. And then um, the last big job I did was for Apple. And it was, it was just so, when you get into, like, uh, you know, numbers and numerology and stuff. It's just so stupid because like, so Amazon built this, I mean, not Amazon, Apple built this building 17 stories on this city block, but they bought the building next door, a kitty corner to it. So they could have the address 333. Ah, so they bought this building next door, which they just demolished or whatever, just, so they can move that address over to their building so they could have 333 as their address. It's very, very important. They wanted to bless themselves, their own little trinity there. Well, listen, man, thank you for the call. Thank you for the insight. I'm glad that we got uh, at least a few in talking about what's going on at different corners of the country. Hope to hear from you soon. Thanks. There you go. I didn't know anything about, about like that about uh, Seattle, but it's uh, it's going on. Here's a little bit more I saw earlier on today on the Gateway Pundit. Unprecedented levels of theft coupled with rampant crime caused 112 billion with a B in loss for retailers last year. 112 billion dollars in losses. According to a survey released on Tuesday by the National Retail Federation, retail crime, violence, and theft caused $112 billion in losses for retailers last year. The annual survey is conducted by retail loss prevention professionals who analyze data about industry risks, threats, 
and vulnerabilities. The NRF reports, quote, the year's study found that the average shrink rate in fiscal year 2022 increased to 1.6%, up from 1.4% in fiscal year 21. When taken as a percentage of total retail sales in 22, that shrink represents $112.1 billion in losses. You're telling me that's not part of the war? That is a giant part of the war. I mean, think about that. Think about that. There's no loss prevention because there's no law and order because all of the DAs have been bought up. All of the news outlets reporting on the nature of the crimes and who's doing it and what's going on uh, have been bought up and they are too afraid to speak any kind of truth. It's insane. It's insane. And of course, that is just the ground level view. Then you have the bigger view. All right, so we're going to do a little bit more. A couple more uh, minutes of calls right after this quick break, and um, I will see you back. Take some calls from you. Good morning. My question is, since we're, we're spending all this money, where are we getting the money from? And my second question is, if I can shit in your mouth. I apologize for that, Congressman. Uh, don't take that kind of language here on the Washington Journal. The left is Aaron. What do you think women's liberation was about? And uh, I said I, I'm pretty conventional thinking about it at that point. I said I think it's about women having the right to work, getting equal pay with men, just like they won the right to vote. You know. And he started to laugh. He said, "You're an idiot." And I said, "Why am I an idiot?" He said, "You want me, let me tell you what that was about. We, the Rockefellers, funded that. We funded women's lib. You know." And we're the ones who got all of the newspapers and television, the Rockefeller Foundation. He says, and you want to know why? He says, there were two primary reasons. And they were, one reason was, we couldn't tax half the population before women's live. And the second reason was, now we get the kids in school at an early age. We can indoctrinate the kids how to think. It breaks up their family. The, the kids start looking at the state as the family, as the school, as the officials, as their family, not as the parents teaching them. QFTV has got music, movies, video roundup, throwback, vintage Frankly episodes, and so much more. So hang out, chill nightly at quite frankly TV hey there he is hey Hey guys, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, yeah, man. Jump on in, the water's fine. I've been teaching the disciples all week. It's nice to actually take a break and have a little fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Cannibal! <laughs> Imagine me and you, I do I think about you every night It's only right to think about All right. you love and hold it tight a couple more calls and we're on our way. I think this was a nice Wednesday night show. We filled in nice, did our thing, and tomorrow we have even more to look forward to. Let's take a call. 314. Hello, 314. 
Frank. Who's this? Hi. Patrick. Patrick, welcome to the show. Thank you. What time you got there? What's that? What time you what? got there? What time? I'm calling from Florida. You same time? Are you serious right now? No, I'm only kidding. Okay, go ahead. We are definitely in a war. It is a five-dimensional war, whatever, six, seven, whatever the hell you want to call it. Definitely infiltrated, probably last 30 years. And uh, it is a Bolshevik revolution. And I don't know how, what it's going to take for people to wake up to it, aside from maybe almost a nuclear war to get the rest of the people on board. Oh well, I don't know. What, I don't know. That's all I got to say, man. And thank you for your show. I love it. Well, thank you, Pat. Well, listen, Patrick. If uh, a nuclear war is is what it's going to take to wake people up, I mean, that's the that's the nighty night point. That's where everybody goes night night. So that that I, know. I think that's where everyone actually wakes up. Though so. I right to the rest of the corners of the world, and whoa. Let's stop. Let's well, yeah, well, but here's the thing. Even that is not going to deliver the, the kind of awakening that you think. I mean, the, the flash might wake people up physically, but as far as if they were able to survive enough to ask questions of what happened, who did it, and why did they do it, who's going to give them the explanation? You know, what, what is the explanation uh, is, what, what is the explanation that's going to be served up to them as to why the bombs went off? Okay, then it's going to be people like you and shows like yours actually wake people up before we even get to that point so anyway god bless you well thank you my friend and if i'm ever down in you florida are. we're gonna have a nice uh, a drink together maybe a mai tai or something like that something something chilly that'd be great let's take another one 817 what's going on hello hello who's this oh yes this is johnny q johnny q welcome to the show what's on your mind friend Yes, I just wanted to uh, congratulate you and your brother for that awesome music video. Well, thank you. Well, Anthony wrote that. He released that last year. I love the song. Aurora loves the song. But I always, I told him, I said, do you, do you mind if I, if I get a music video produced for this? Because there's something about the lyrics is screaming to me, and I want to see it. I want to see it worked out. And thank you again, Al Gorbachev, for helping me do it. But I'm glad you liked it, man. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think the music video, kind of like what you said, it's very emotional, not just because of the lyrics that your brother put together, but also just the way that it has this nostalgic feeling to it. You know, I can't really quite describe it in all the right words, but, you know, when you listen to it and you see the montages of all the different women throughout the decades, it takes you back to a time where, you know, life was a lot more uh, simple and just overall like the feelings that you would get when meeting your love kind of like what the lyrics were talking about and alluding to just takes the you know your breath away when you look upon beauty in those women and respectively for each of those decades and correct me if I'm wrong but I believe the oldest uh, stock footage and b-roll that was played was from the 1920s or 30s I had Mae West in there uh, I, as far as how far back as I go, Mae West, I had Faye Ray, uh, that, that's the, you know, King Kong, 1932. So, yeah, pro that's probably late 20s is, is 
is probably as far as I as I got. But you know, going from there to jump into the forties, and you see Donna Reed welcoming home Mr. Bailey, and then you and you you jump around. Of course, we had to save Marilyn for last over there with 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 uh, right. Judy Garland and whatever. But you know what really gets me? Um, there's a couple of. T- it's all because of the music there too. But when Alicia Silverstone. Um, shows up for the first time that oh, that that got me i was like mm, damn because because all of a sudden it's like hey it's the 90s this was us and you're seeing how all of these you know these these stars these these female faces that we you know that that so much of our culture was built on and seeing this and it became so identifiable you just sort you see them through the years and how you know beauty transmutes and kind of changes but it doesn't and it's um it's uh, it, it's really wonderful. I, I it, it took on so much of a of a deeper emotional experience than I thought it would. I just thought it would be really, really uh, awesome to have this song that kind of alludes to a um, you know a, a, a fantasy romance, a romance that only exists in dreams, and not not wanting to wake up because you're afraid that this 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 person you're with is going to be gone. And of course, here's all these faces from the past. And that's that's the other thing. You know, many of those women are gone, and that's why it, even the cartoons. I mean, even the fact that we had, you know, that that was the whole thing. It's just they are gone, many of them. But but are they? And and it's it's right. It's the energy, yeah. Well, I mean, like 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 what you're saying, beauty transcends time, and it's it's an amazing thing, obviously, to see some of those faces that have passed on, but. As the decades have gotten more and more modern, you're seeing the faces that we recognize today from Alicia Silverstone, um, Pamela Anderson, and some of these others. You're like, oh, wow. Even with their age, it's still, you know, in our perspective, it's not that long ago uh, from 99 to today. But, you know, overall, I just like really appreciated how you look at movies, and I'm a huge movie buff. You know, going even back to the silent era, it just showcases how not only has beauty transcended time, but also the arts. And in a way, kind of like what you're saying, our dreams manifest. And maybe it's because, you know, I don't know what's what's first, you know, the chicken or the egg. You know, do we produce our own art in our heads and our in our dreams? And that's what makes the the music that we that we hear and the movies that we create, or is it vice versa? Like do the movies we create help brighten our imagination and make us more expansive and go deeper into these philosophical and, uh, you know, beauty standards that we just talked about today. But overall, I just wanted to congratulate you and your brother and, uh, you guys have a good night. Well, dude, this is a wonderful call and very, very insightful. And I think that you're right about that. Um, and that's why film, I, I, I try really not to overcorrect with referencing movies and encouraging people to watch movies because of course when you when you mention anything that came out of Hollywood in any era all of a sudden there's a black cloud that is hanging over it and and perhaps there always was some sort of a manipulative set of hands on that steering wheel over there but as far as the art of storytelling and the really magical things that have been caught on film and directed and brought to life you know, I mean especially black and white films to the, the talent and the the science behind making a face glow 
in limited in limited uh, technology that you can't really enhance and you can't see real in when Technicolor came around in the late in the late 30s. Uh, before that, to be able to have black and white glow, I mean, to, to see those faces just beam like there's the, like the the moon itself is right in front of them. There is just so much magic that is captured there, and yeah, there is um, a, a lot of class, a lot of it, it is very philosophical and. And uh, and now, like you say, it's it's like they're time capsules, and but in the past, you think about all the the frescoes and the things that had to be painted and chiseled to be able to uh, remember what had happened long ago. The fact that we have these moving images is is really magical. Oh, absolutely! You know, I just think back I, today. I was just watching The Hunchback of Notre Dame with Lon Chaney mm. and Patsy Ruth Miller, and in that film, you see Quasimodo in the front of everyone in the church and in the the parade of fools and he's down and he's being chained down and the only thing that is brought to him is a uh, pitch of water by uh, Patsy Ruth Miller's character Esmeralda and you know Quasimodo is so ugly on the outside he's obviously portrayed wonderfully by Lon Chaney and you know he is compelled to not take the water at first because he thinks that it's going to be thrown at him because we've seen all the street people just uh, come up to him, laugh at him, and even some of the uh, people who are taking part in his humiliation uh, start to whip him. And so he's concerned that the beauty that he's being um, offered is not actually there and it's, and it's illusory. Yeah. But um, yeah. But anyways, man, you have a good night. And, you know, obviously I want to say thank you uh, once again for the show it's a great show uh and uh overall that's off to you sir all right man thank you so much i really appreciate this call and as i i say to very many others but i'm saying to you now and yeah especially after this with the insights that you're you're laying down here please call back in again um really well said and and i and i appreciate it very much Absolutely. Give my best to the family. I will do. That's why we got to do more film club and other things. Going to add a little bit more variety onto the blog, what is published published there, how it contributes to the show. What We're going to do a lot of good stuff. And I'm thinking about 1920s. I don't know if I... Did we get into the 20s? I don't know if Gorbachev is watching right now. Did we go into the 1920s? Even Betty Boop is like 1930 to 1939. Work's been kind of tough since films went to color, but I still got it, Eddie. Boop, boop, be doo Roger Rabbit. I can't wait until Aurora can appreciate Roger Rabbit. Who framed Roger Rabbit? One of the, that's one of those things where I, you know, I watched it a lot as a kid, but I didn't really understand the plot. I just knew that it was incredible that cartoons were living with real people, and that I wanted to, uh, I wanted to, to, to drive in that cab, and that, um, you know, that Judge Doom was scary, and I felt bad for the squeaky shoe that was put into the dip. That's all I knew. I only loosely understood the singing sword. That was, uh, you know, Sinatra's face. But that is an, a wonderful, that's a wonderful, you know what? I'm going to play, I'm putting Roger Rabbit on the, uh, That that's going to be the Sunday night feature this week. Who framed Roger Rabbit? All right, that's all I got. That's all I have for you. I had a wonderful night. 
We should post it to Telegram. Oh yeah, you know what? I'm gonna put the the I'm gonna put the music video on Telegram, on the quite frankly Telegram tonight. Right after I sign off, I'm gonna put it on the Telegram so you guys can go enjoy it because I don't know where I can post it. I gave it to Anthony. I said, hey, if you want to upload it, you can do that. But I don't know with all of the 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 flashes of very well known movies if that any of that is going to trigger a copyright. None of them are long. None of those clips are longer than three seconds. So I don't know. Who was your favorite appearance on the on the music video? Send it in to me right now, and um, who knows? Maybe on Friday night when we take off, I'll play it again just because it'll be fresh. That's that. Thank you, everybody. And um, I appreciate the calls, and I appreciate the feedback, and I'll always be open to take more feedback from you in the in the email afterwards. So go right ahead. Do that up. Let me make sure I got all of our super chats in. Jay Britt said, I think Mike Tyson got the brains in that family. Uh, let's see. Oh, <laughs> Mike Tyson. Yo, yes. Uh, Valuna says, you and your family are a source of joy in my life. Well, thank you, Valuna. I appreciate that. That's a great thing to hear. I, I would love to be a source of people's joy a source if the show brings people joy that's that's incredible and thank you for your wonderful generous your generosity and the support because you've been around for a while too now Valuna part of the core that makes this thing run Stostube thanks again and of course Retrocalypse you're the man for kicking it all off All right, over on Rumble, let me see if I miss anything there. I don't think I did. Oh, I did. Larkstar said, play it again, Sam. Yeah. No, I'll play it again sometime. I don't want to overdo it. I want this to be a very, very big treat when it comes on the show. And, um, and now i got to find something else to do. Just one of those things that I knew had to be done. But it's very hard to duplicate that over and over again. So I guess we just got to write some more music, right? All right, that's it. Get on over to quitefrankly.tv if you're not already there and enjoy Rabbit Hole Wednesday, which is going to include a presentation, an older presentation from Dr. Eben Alexander. And um, based on that presentation, I really encourage you to write down some questions and send it over to me for uh, as suggestions for consideration on tomorrow night's show. That is going to be all about near-death experiences and the proof of heaven. That's all I got for you. Thank you so much. Good night. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, it's filmed before a live studio audience. And now, our super chatter, starting with Larkstar and Jay Semo on Rumble. Thank you to Jay Britz, Valuna, Stostube, and Retrocalypse on quitefranklysuperchat.com and to all of my wonderful friends on quitefrankly.tv powered by Foxhole I'm releasing the scratching right now and I will see you in that chat room afterwards go get cozy friends until tomorrow thank you for tonight
I'm gonna come. Do not come. Do not come.